For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Grainger.com, or just stop by. Granger For the ones who get it done. Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What is going on, people? You know that sound. It is the Unfiltered Band. Means yes, another episode of Unfiltered coming your way here and right now. This will officially go down as episode number 203. You can jump on board the Unfiltered Revolution anytime, all the time. Get on to Twitter at Casey Stern. Jump in the bio. You'll get to the YouTube channel. And, of course, where most of you are, Apple, Spotify, and everywhere that you get your podcasts. And thank you, Unfiltered Band, for joining us, as always. Um, there's a lot to get to on this show. wanted to put one out that kind of covered a number of things on the MLB landscape. A recap of the deadline. Get into some of my thoughts on that. Give a little I told you so, the four uh, you know, greatest words put together for uh, a lot of times in life in the English language. In this case, if you go back to a prior episode or two uh, where I had discussed over the last number of weeks what a mistake it would be for the Angels to not move Otani at the deadline, that will continue to age horribly. The decision that Artie Moreno made not to do so. Now they're losers of five straight. I want to get into that. Uh, losers of uh, one fight, and it'll probably be his only one. We're not talking about Nate Diaz from last night, although he did lose. We are talking about Tim Anderson. I'll get into that. I want to kind of bounce around the league. A lot of different things to hit. As always, you can hit me up on Twitter at Casey Stern. If you're watching me there, you can get on the YouTube channel. And if you're listening, Apple, Spotify, everywhere you get your podcasts. A lot of ways to jump on board the Unfiltered Revolution. And, of course, we are here in large part thanks to our good friends at Ben Online. BetOnline remains your number one source for all your sports betting needs, latest odds, lines, matchup reports, baseball, boxing, golf, and more. BetOnline continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, live betting, favorite casino and card games. They're all available to play right now, right from your phone. So head over to the website and use your mobile device and sign up right now and get in on all this action. Remember to use the promo code BELIEVE, that's B-L-E-A-V, to get your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. It's Bet Online where the game starts as I get started right here. And let's talk about some of the already uh, deadline fallout with the Angels. I said this at the time, and I'll say it now again. In years covering this sport, there are a lot of trends and a lot of things that you look at. And one that pretty much stays on cue across the board right on brand. You do not make deadline decisions based on a handful of games in the days leading up to the deadline. If you're making your decision on what you're going to do with your franchise and how you're going to handle yourself moving forward as an ownership and in the hierarchy in a front office of a baseball team, based on what you are doing in a week to 10 days before the deadline, you have no idea what you're doing. Because that is not how this works. And that is where mistakes are made. So let's go back. The Angels are four or five games under 500. Beyond below a mediocre team. Trout out with an injury. Drury with an injury. All kinds of things going against them. And they won six out of seven games. And in that span of seven, eight days, 
Artie Moreno, who, by the way, already has shown many times over the course of his tenure as owner of this team, he changes his mind, including whether or not he wanted to own the team, which he changed his mind about seven minutes ago. Here's a guy who decides, hey, look, Perry Manazian, and I'm putting this on Artie because this is, oh, this is owner's decision all day. We're going to take Otani off the table. So here come the reports he's off the table. Then they make the big the Giolito deal, and they decide to go add, and they're trying to go ahead, and they're going to go in it to win it. Well, now you lost five in a row. You look like the team that you look for for the month to six weeks before that six out of seven. This ain't no secret. And now you're sitting there, and you're a 500 baseball team. You're six games out of a wild card, and you're chasing the Red Sox, Yankees, and Mariners before you even get to the Blue Jays, the team that you have to pass to get into a wild card spot. Shohei Otani is one of one. Back in a baseball card when he used to get all those crazy cards, and I remember you know, all sorts of different packs that he'd open, and, and you'd have that trick card and or, or some kind of special deal. It's one of 141, it would say on the back of the, holy crap, I got this card, and it's worth like eight cents in the Beckett magazine, but you thought it was important, right? Well, Tani 101, because as a rental, the value he carries is so exorbitantly high even though they should have moved him a long time ago. And I was saying, by the way, go back to this podcast before the season that they should have traded him, even though I knew that was not going to happen. And that I understood. Go into the year, see if you can make a run, see if you can build off the money. They weren't sure whether or not they even wanted to sell it. There's all kinds of stuff going on. I got that. I understood what that decision was. But when you have an Otani that you could play out there as clear as day, going to be the best option as a hitter and as a pitcher. He the best of both that could be put out there. A guy who you know is going to walk. And this idea, and I said this a couple weeks ago, that, well, you know, they they understood that from Otani, or the feeling was, I don't know what, they need Otani for this feeling. The feeling was there was a better chance for them to have him stay after the season if they didn't trade him. Well, clearly that's the case. What they didn't tell you, and I'm not sure if Fangraphs or Pocota or somebody else did any kind of percentages on this because those are dumb as it is. Love the company. Sorry, the percentages can't deal with. But you would have had me at what? Like, uh, not hello, but like a 4.9% chance that he stays if they keep him and a 0.8% chance. I mean, we're not talking about great numbers here, people. Why, if you were Shohei Otani, would you go back to the Angels, to an owner who didn't even want the team going a few months ago, to a team that's only got Mike Trout in the playoffs for 11 career at-bats in three games that they lost to the Royals a million years ago, mind you, in a season they won 98 games, mind you, where after that, they decided, no, we don't need David Freeze, we don't need Howie Kendrick, we don't need all the guys who actually helped us get there. Why would you be an Angel? The answer is you're not going to be. The answer is Otani was not going to be. You have to see that writing on the wall. I'm not trying to compare the Angels situation with the Mets. And I'm not going to get into the Mets in this podcast because if you missed it, I gave a full breakdown in the last episode of why, whether I'm in the minority or not, what they did was the right thing. And look, it's a miserable, horrific season, but a great thing in terms of actually trying in the future to be relevant at a high level and currently relevantly looking at yourself and saying you're not good enough. 
But unlike the Mets, who were kind of honest with themselves about how bad things were, the Angels seemingly, and Artie Moreno, most importantly, and namely, seemingly has no idea when he looks in the mirror what the hell the baseball team looks like because it looks like Mike Trout about to be on an island by himself all over again, and where has that gotten you in the past? Now, it's not Mike Trout's fault that they paid all the money to Matt Harvey or Julio Tehran or Trevor Cahill or Anthony Rendon or didn't go far enough in years for Cole to outbid the Yankees or did the Josh Hamilton deal or whatever you want to talk about. And there's a lot of whatevers over the last, let's just even keep within the last 10 years. I mean, I mean the outside of a time, the lack of pitching, we're going back to like Jared Weaver days. That's how long the pitching staff been decrepit. But there's been an inability for this franchise to understand itself forever. And that common denominator in that forever is their owner in Artie Moreno. Sorry, not sorry. Not moving Otani was a major mistake. And it'll age even worse. Now, here's the bad part, because this is perception versus reality. Just like I said, you don't make a deal at the deadline or not make it based on a few days leading up to the deadline. And I'm a, a, a staunch believer in that. If they had won the last five in a row and were two games out of the wild card, you'd have people telling you, oh, see, I told you it was the right thing not to move Otani, and it still would have been incredulously dumb that they didn't move Otani. You have to realize that you have an opportunity to, as I said in a recent podcast, not reshape or totally turn over or change your future, but to start and create that path to what your future will be and how you're going to get Trout to ever win and be in a postseason himself when he's on your baseball team or not request or demand a trade and be on your baseball team, you had a chance to create that path and to set that stage with a deal now. And they didn't do it. And it's a major mistake. And at the deadline, we got winners and losers, and we'll get into some of them. And by the way, the deadline was a loser in itself, in part because Otani wasn't in play. But if you didn't have the Mets implosion, there wasn't that much at the deadline. You had a couple of moves, and we'll get into that, right? But overall, I mean, there have been better trade deadlines. Sorry. But if you want to talk winners and losers at a deadline, which means nothing this soon after, and this will be a story that we tell for a long period of time, but the loser by about 700 miles, the Angels. No matter how bad it is what the Yankees did, or in this case, didn't do, by hitting the one in the Middleton and keeping everybody else, it's nowhere near as bad as not moving Otani. An absolutely horrific decision. Dumb. And this is what you get. This is what you get. In that division, you know, look, I, you know, I don't want to get into how it all came to be, but the whole prospects are cool, parades are cooler thing is sometimes looked at the wrong way. It doesn't mean that prospects aren't important, and it doesn't mean that I'm not a believer that at times you need to grow and build. Look what the Orioles have done. But what I like to see is when you were on the doorstep, that at least you understand that you should make a push, and the Orioles should have made more of a push. They should have done more. Now, look, am I... Picking them, if they go ahead and, and they got Verlander, let's say, you know, instead, are they my pick to go to the World Series and face the Braves, who I think will end up winning the whole thing? And who the heck knows? I had Braves-Astros before the season on this podcast. I'm sticking with that. Probably not. Maybe not ready. Certainly much closer. And definitely the fan base and the guys in that clubhouse deserved it with no disrespect to Jack Flaherty. 
But I like what Texas did and in the state of Texas. Look, the Rangers had the capital in terms of prospects to do it and the money in terms of actual capital to do it. And why wouldn't you when you're in the situation that you're in? Good for them. Good for the ownership. Good for CY. Good for everybody in that in that group for doing that. Now, do I think that the Rangers head-to-head are going to beat the Astros in a postseason? Remains to be seen. I'm not picking it to happen. Even though the switch isn't a real thing, nobody in this sport knows how to do it over the last decade almost. Then the Astros do. They understand what to do when you get there, and they just brought back another guy who understands what to do when you get there. But at least those teams went for it. The Orioles needed to go further. They didn't do enough for me. Now, they're probably still going to win the American League East. And they certainly shouldn't, as somebody was telling me last night, shout out to my guy Jody McDonald, that the, the fan graphs, I guess, still has them, what, a three, three point something percent to win the World Series, which makes no sense to me, when the percentage has to be higher because at least it's easier to get to a World Series if I win a division than if I win a wild card. That's just common sense. Not, don't need a TI-82 calculator for that. The Orioles should have gone further. But at least they did something. Enough? Maybe not. To win the division, I think they probably already would have done it. Still think they do. At least is three as I do this on a Sunday. But I like what the Astros did. I like what the Rangers did. The Yankees, I can't figure out. Now, look, for a long period of time, we used to have it. I grew up in New York, and I remember the apology posts in the New York Post, and George Steinbrenner would light up his own players and light up his own manager and apologize to the fans. And those days are long gone, and I get that. But for them to sit there and accept losing the way that the Yankees have accepted losing over the last number of years, I don't get. And people are going to say, well, how could they, you say they accept losing? <clears throat> because the only losing they care about is losing in October or not winning a World Series. At least that's the Yankees we used to know. They wouldn't accept being knocked out by the Astros three times or whatever it is in the last six years. They wouldn't accept everybody knowing when that series after they beat Cleveland last year that they were going to get wiped off the field, watching it take place, and then accepting that. They wouldn't accept sitting there and battling for last place with the Red Sox and say, well, we're over 500 and have that be some sort of a win or want us to give them flowers for that. And they clearly couldn't have done what the Mets did in terms of or needed to the large you know, dysfunction not being at that level, the dismantling and the ability to do so at high contract level age, not at the same level. But when you're trying to tell me for as many months as they are that you're waiting for Josh Donaldson to have a resurgence, you got a problem. I've always been a, a, a fan of Brian Cashman. I know people in New York have never, look, he's done a lot of really good things over the years, done a lot of really bad things over the years. He's had a lot of success. But there's a reason why at a high level, guys move around a lot. There aren't many John Scherholzes in my lifetime. There are a lot more Alex Anthopoulos's in terms of the high-level GMs and architects. Guys, now where I am in Atlanta, was in L.A. in between, was in Toronto, got them to the playoffs. Guys who bounce around, they build, they, they, they go through a run, and then it gets stale. After a while, we always talk about the new voice that is needed in a clubhouse. More often than not, people. It's in the front office that a lot of times the teams need a new voice because that is where the direction down to, especially in today's day and age of analytics, is coming from. That's where the direction through your clubhouse is going. 
I, I love Dave Roberts. I think Doc has done a great job in, overall and, and not gotten nearly enough credit. And that's what happens with the expectations that you have, like he has in L.A. But with Andrew Friedman and that group that they've put together, there are a lot of different managers you could have put in there with that roster and the way things are constituted and the way that they manage their numbers. Not, And I'm not talking about from the payroll, but in terms of how they constitute their lineups and all that, that probably could have had a lot of the same successes. But in New York, you have to wonder whether or not this is time for Brian Cashman because I don't know what the hell was going on at the deadline. No idea. To not at least pivot a little bit and look in the mirror and tell yourselves and be able to tell. And that's the thing. In New York, and a lot of these, it's not just in this sport. You could say it's New York, Boston, you know, Philadelphia. There are certain places. But it, the Dallas Cowboys, right? The Montreal Canadiens. You know, it's just not just a New York thing or in the Northeast. But in this sport, a lot of the, the situations that you look at, it is where there is a dishonesty with your own fan base where you can't pivot and cut bait because you can't sell that story. It's why going to the way back machine, I think the ownership and then Ruben Amaro and that group with the Phillies after the two World Series appearances, one win and five division titles sat there and decided how long can we keep J-Roll and Chase Utley and Ryan Howard together instead of realizing what everyone else knew, including their own fans, that the time was up and that run was over. It, we saw it even happen in San Francisco with Bruce Bochy trying to hang on at the end. One last chance with that group. We saw it even in a smaller market in Kansas City with Ned Yost and a lot of egg on the face for Dayton Moore at the time. Why didn't you trade Osmer? Why didn't you trade Moustakis? Not knowing when these runs end. But a lot of times it is an, it is an inability to be honest with a fan base and to say the truth, which is doesn't have to be we suck, but we're not good enough. That the Yankees are supposed to try to win a World Series, not be as good as the Red Sox, who, by the way, aren't the version in 2003-2004. They're the version you're battling for last place and mediocrity just north of 500. That didn't used to be enough for the Yankees. So I don't know what the hell that was or what they did because they didn't do anything. But it didn't make any sense to me. I mean, you got to play the games. We don't know what's going to happen here down the stretch. I can sit there and tell you, you know, and just like you can, sitting there looking at the screen, you know, which teams seemingly have the better opportunity. You know, for me in the National League, the Atlanta Braves have been built, and they tweaked a little bit and tried to fine-tune the machine at the deadline. But it's a machine. They are deep as day. They got tons of talent. They got tons of swag. They got everything you need. They got the experience. They got a lot of guys on there who won the World Series and been there with this group a couple of years ago. Does it mean the Atlanta Braves are unbeatable in a postseason? No. Do I think they should be the heavy favorites in the National League and favorites overall? Absolutely, and they probably will be. Are the Dodgers a better team than Atlanta? They're not. Can they knock them off? Maybe. I think Philadelphia is, is dangerous because they still have the ability front and back end to pitch. They still got guys who can hit the best pitching. And when you can check those boxes, front end rotation, back end bullpen, guys who could throw gas and get by big-time hitters in October, and you got guys who can get big hits in October against the best pitching, you're going to be in it to win it, and I think Philly's going to be a dangerous out again, assuming they get in, again this year. Because they're better built almost to have a great three, four weeks than they are to have a great regular season. But are they better than Atlanta? No. Does it mean that they can't beat them? What we saw last year, I mean, clearly, we know it could still happen. The Atlanta Braves is the best team in baseball. But when you're the New York Yankees, 
You know you're not good enough. You got to be honest about it. When you're the Angels, you know Otani's not coming back. This is all about the inability to be honest because we are in a world of social media and a world where everything is so transparent and all these opinions are out there and everyone insecure. And nobody more so than these, these oversaturated egos of owners of baseball teams who literally can say whatever they want in a boardroom and then put somebody else out front and deal with all their garbage and let the GM handle it and hide in the background because they don't want to tell you, I either don't want to spend the money, I don't want to admit we're not good, I don't want you not to go into the park because I know what kind of product we can't put out there, and I don't want to be in a world without Otani or in a world where I'm a Yankee GM or an owner in this case. If it was the Steinbrenners and not Brian Cashman, it certainly could have been. I mean, we don't know that Cash necessarily didn't want to go ahead and sell. And the Steinbrenners said no. Yeah, ownership make final decisions on these calls, not the GM. I have had many situations over the years where GMs have told me, hey, I wanted to trade that guy, and they weren't able to do it. They weren't allowed, literally, verbatim, not allowed to do it. Tried to sell it. Can't do it. Sponsors can't do it. People got to come in the park. We, we can't we can't bail. We need to worry about money for the rest of the season, whatever it may be. A lot of times the owner, but there's a dishonesty. You know, fans are always sitting there and saying, well, owners lie to us. You don't want the truth because go back to my favorite movie of all time. Few good men. You can't handle the truth. Most angel fans I saw were thrilled, jumping for joy that they didn't trade Otani. Well, guess what? That's kind of stupid. Because are you trying to get into a game to see Otani once in a postseason where you're probably not going to be able to get in the ballpark anyway and you're watching on TV? How long are you going to remember that for? Or are you going to remember more the fact that when Mike Trout gives in the Hall of Fame and has umpteen years with your team that he had three career postseason games and 11 total at-bats because those numbers are not changing anytime soon. These teams can't be honest with themselves, and that's why going back to it, look, horrific year. Mets are a disaster, all of that. Egg on the face for all the spending. You know, worst team money could buy all of that. You, you, all of it, none of it would be wrong. But at least they were honest with themselves about where they sat in this picture. We can't be better than Atlanta. You know, we got to sit here in a room with just Steve Cohen and Billy Epler and that, that team can't be Atlanta. You're not as good. And how are you going to get there? What graph is pointing you there? None in 2024. None with Verlander and Scherzer having their 50th birthday on your baseball team next year. Not going to happen. They had to be honest with themselves. Would have liked to have seen that Angels. Would have liked to have seen that Yankees. Would have liked to have seen more Orioles. You know, these decisions, we always look back in hindsight. You know, I mentioned Alex Anthopoulos. You know, it, at the time, I was here. When Jorge Soler and Jock Peterson came on, there wasn't anybody printing World Series tickets for that. But then we look back at it, and it's like, okay, look how brilliant those moves are. And there's a lot of that because there's luck involved. And we won't know till we get to the end of it how these moves go. I sat there and covered a World Series where Steve Pierce, who had played seemingly on every AL East team like 80 times, Became a World Series MVP and was playing against righties. Nobody had that in the cards. I remember covering that same Red Sox team going back in 2004 when they traded Nomar. And I was there when people were talking about Orlando Cabrera, Doug McCabe. Well, what the hell do we do? And then all of a sudden, oh, look what we did. It is all revisionist history. But this Otani thing is not. Because that team was not winning a World Series with him this year. 
and you don't sacrifice a future that you could at least try and create based on hoping that he pitches six innings and gets four at-bats over a three-day span and you go home. Because his home is not going to be your park after this season. I want to hit for a minute or two this fight yesterday. Because, look, um, hold on one second. I, I have for a long time, and I'm a huge hockey fan. You know, I'm not a proponent, and I'm not going to sit here because I don't I want people to yell at me. I'm not going to sit here and say that fighting in baseball is great. It's not a great look. All right? It's not. But there are a lot of fake tough in this sport. There are a lot of times where guys sit there and they get hit, and they're at the plate, and they're pointing, and you're like, there's no way they want any piece of that smoke. And they're not going out to the pitcher's mouth. And I've always applauded, remember a situation years ago, I'm trying to remember who was on the mound. Oh, gosh, reliever used to pitch in Cleveland. I'm trying to think of the, uh, who is the reliever that, that Arenado went out after? But I remember when, when he sat and just directly ran straight out. And I remember applauding, and I talked about it on the air, and people were yelling at me, ah, this is not what the sport's about. But at least if you're going to go, just go. Just do something. Now, I have long said, even though he's gotten more flowers now, even though he's had you know MVP votes and all-star appearances galore, I still contend that Jose Ramirez is one of the more underrated players in the game because if that dude's in New York or Boston or L.A. or Chicago or St. Louis or somewhere and not playing for Cleveland, he'd be more of a national star than he is by, a, by, by eons. But I had underrated all of his skills in terms of, not myself, but how I thought the world looked at him. In this case, I underrated his skill myself. Because that right hook, Terry Francona and Tito had it on. He said, not the left, it's the right. And that Tom Hamilton call, by the way, brilliant. That was nasty. And I, I'm a TA7 fan. I mean, Tim Anderson had a bad year. I mean, it can't go more wrong than it's gone in terms of trying to make money having the year. It started out amazing. Guy playing second base and getting big hits at the WBC and becoming even more of a star, and that star rising, 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 and you're thinking, geez, well, even though the White Sox probably a mess like they usually are, Tim Anderson get moved at the end of the year. End up, I mean, team's going to be all over being after him because he's got that star quality. He's not afraid of the moment. And, and he's going to go out there and get paid and make some money, and Tim Anderson has had just as bad a year as you could have, but it got way worse because he got rocked and laid out. And his teammates did the best job they can trying to wobble him to the dugout. But man, oh man, if you are going to have a brawl, I'm not trying to be a proponent for the Pedro Don Zimmer, but we remember it. I'm not trying to be a proponent for the Odor Bautista, but we remember it. I'm not trying to be a proponent. You get where I'm going. We'll remember this one for a long time. But the we in one category and TA7 in his own, my oh my. You can always be in the category of being part of the Unfiltered Revolution. Jump on board Unfiltered. Twitter, YouTube, Apple, Spotify, everywhere you get your podcast. And do yourselves a favor, people. Take time to smile. Enjoy the weekend. Enjoy the time with your families. We all take way too much in this life for granted. Don't make that mistake. I'll see you next time on Unfiltered. As always, presented by our good friends at Bet Online. Without the ones like you who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. 
Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.